Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. Cool. My bump music is back. So, yes, this is, uh, you know, ugly Christmas sweater. Just rest assured, all you young people, There'll be a day when your kids are going to make fun of you. It's coming. It's coming. It's going to happen. If it hasn't already, it's, it's going to happen. Okay. This is the first Sunday of the month of a, you know, a very busy month for most of us. December ends up being a lot of activity. But it's also Mission Sunday. So the first Sunday of the month is where we want to remind you that we, we like to invest in missions here. We believe in investing in the kingdom outside of these walls, and so your giving is very important. It's what we give is dependent, funny how this works, upon what you give. And your faithful giving towards missions, whether you designate it to the 10-8 fund or if there's some special project monthly, or whether you just give it to missions, it will go to meet the needs for the homeless, the, those that are having food uh, crisis, food insufficiency through sharing life, uh, missionaries uh, here in the U.S., missionaries in Thailand, Estonia, in South Africa, uh, ministry to uh, unwanted, or not unwanted is not the best way, but or maybe unwanted pregnancies, unprepared, unplanned pregnancies. And uh, so, uh, your giving makes a big difference. So we're starting a new series today called The Lord's Prayer. It's not finding your purpose. It's the Lord's Prayer. We found our purpose last week. We all know what it is. We'll never have to t- preach on that again. Uh, we've, all, we've all got our purpose worked out. Uh, we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to take, uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to take segments of the Lord's Prayer because the Lord's Prayer is not just a prayer. Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. So I want to begin by asking you to stand again because, you know, you need more exercise than you're getting. You're going to eat cookies and stuff this month. Uh, So let's let's pray the Lord's Prayer. I think it may be included in my notes. If it's not, pray then this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have all have forgiven our debtors. And it's not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Now you can sit back down. And I don't know if you noticed that little, that little last part of the translation is, is in brackets, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So when they discovered l- earlier translations or earlier fragments of scripture, those words were not in that those earlier fragments. So that's why they bracket that to say that's possibly was added or it was omitted earlier. It doesn't change our theology, right? 
So Jesus is answering the disciples. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus had shown them often how to pray, but Jesus often, when he prayed, went away and separated himself from his disciples. He would go apart from where his disciples were to pray. And, you know, some, we all know that sometimes it's, it's hard to find places where you're not distracted and to find a place where you can have some, some quiet time to pray. So they ask him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And so then this is an example of that. It, it is a prayer, and we, you can certainly pray this as a prayer, but I think Jesus is showing us there are different modes, there are different models, there's different things to learn about prayer. So we're going to look at these different situations Prayer is so important. We're going to talk about prayer more this year, and we're talking about this to kind of prepare for some of the things that we're wanting to do next year. We, you know, I said last week we want to pray more in 2024, which is a you know hokey saying, but uh, you know if it'll get our attention, we want to pray more because I believe we are we are approaching a time of greater and greater challenges. And there are things that Jesus said specifically, you know, when he was talking about the, the, the person that was demon-possessed and the disciples couldn't cast out the demons, and they said, what's, what's the deal? Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. That there are things that have to be in the work of God, all of our work, uh, our lives, our children, our family. We, we want to preface that with prayer. We want to bathe that in prayer. It's so important. So there's a lot of challenges. There's always a lot of challenges. And we, you know, we don't stop because there's challenges. The kingdom doesn't stop because there's challenges. There's always, as Proverbs says, the sluggard says, there's a lion in the streets. Because the lazy always have an excuse for not doing what they're supposed to do. But we don't want to have any excuses, do we? We want to walk in obedience, even though it's hard. What if there is a lion in the streets? Well, let's kill it and keep moving ahead. Let's don't let the lion win. We're going we're gonna to move ahead. So there's, there are challenges, but there's also opportunities. Where sin does abound, grace does abound all the more, the Scripture tells us. So we have greater opportunities. So prayer is so vital to our relationship with God because God wants us to be in a, not a religious, religious activity, but in a relationship. Christianity is not going through the motions of religion. It is a relationship. God is calling us into an ever-growing relationship, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have invited us into the most incredible relationship in eternity, in the universe, in, in all that exists. And God's invited us into that. And so prayer is our part. We read the Bible to hear from God, and prayer is our, our ability to talk to God. Now, you also as you pray, you'll find in prayer that God's going to speak to you too. How many of you have found that to be true? That when you give God some time, when you stop, you spend some time in the Word, and you spend some time in prayer. It doesn't, even this prayer, if you think about this is a model for prayer. Jesus didn't pray for an hour here, did he? He just, this was a, a brief 30 or 40 seconds that he's telling, hey guys, this is how you pray. I think sometimes we we put prayer in a category where it's too hard for us because it's, it's like it's out here 
If, if I don't pray this way, if I don't pray an hour, if I, then I'm not really praying. I think we miss the boat on how God wants us to pray relationally and conversationally with God. When I, when I sit down to talk with Tina, I don't think, okay, I've got to pray an hour. I've got to talk, to, I mean, I have to talk to her an hour. Okay, uh, all right, time's up. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, that, I don't think any of us relate to the people we love that way. We relate to them in conversation, in moments, a little bit at a time. We pray. We're, the Bible says actually pray without ceasing. I think that's the real model for prayer. Is that we're just always praying. We're praying uh, under our breath, in our heads, as we go through our day. As, and I'm not saying we don't have specific times because we certainly need that too. So today we're going to begin with, Jesus says, pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus, when Jesus prayed, our Father, that blew everybody away. Because you have to recognize that within the Jewish religion, the Jewish culture, that Jesus, and certainly Christianity, comes out of, but out of the Old Testament culture, they saw God as so honored, or should have been so honored, that they would not speak his name. They wouldn't write the name of God. They abbreviated it with just the consonants, with no vowels, to show reverence. Now, the way you really show reverence to God is how you live. So a lot of times what Jesus had trouble with the Pharisees is that you, you, you go out of your way to show this outward, this overt reverence to these minuscule things, but you don't really show reverence to God by doing what he says. So when Jesus said, our father, it just, he, he was just he was changing the game. He was changing our relationship. He was emphasizing that there's something different that is happening. And that difference is that because of Christ, we have the potential, the ability, the availability of relationship to God. And it's important for us to understand that God is our Father. He's our loving Heavenly Father and what that means in our prayer life. So Jesus said, I want you to get this. First of all, you need to understand who God is and who you are in relationship to God. And it always comes down to this, doesn't it? We need to understand who God says we are. And we need to understand what the Bible says about who God is. And when we get that, when we understand that, it empowers us to face the things we're going to face. So in one sense, you would say, well, isn't everybody God's children? And, and that's true. There is, there is a, a sense that God created us all. He's the creator, the originator of all things. Acts 17, 28. For in him we live and move and exist. Paul is speaking to the philosophers on Mars Hill. And even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his children. So there is this sense that, that uh, Everyone who exists, we, why do we exist? Well, the only reason there is anything is because God created it. Everything that exists, exists because God created it. But we have rejected God, even though he's evident. The heavens declare the glory of God, even though he's evident through creation. We can look at the beauty and organization 
The world is not chaos as evolution would cause. The world is beautiful and organized and mathematical and incredible. And when we look in the cell, we see that the cell is, 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 is not just, an, as Darwin thought, just an empty shell and a fluid. Uh, it's actually very, very, very complex with DNA. And, and the DNA is, is really a, a mathematical code of, of creation. So we're created by God, and, but we tend to make gods of our own making. This is what Paul says in Acts 17. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. How many gods are made by the art and thought of man? Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. So Paul said, uh, we've rejected God and we've created a God in our own making. So God has sent Jesus to bring us to himself so you can become a child of God. God's, God's plan is for all of us to be really not just become his creation, but to be his children. Galatians 3.26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves in Christ. If you want a relationship with God, the only way you can have that relationship is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm sure you know this verse, I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But God provided a way for us to know him and that way is Jesus Christ. And if God provided a way for us to know him, we should go that way. <laughs> Doesn't that make sense? I mean, you know, if you invited guests over to the dinner party, it's your house. And tonight when they got there, they started breaking out windows and crawling through the window. They go from guests to being criminals. They were invited, but now because of their actions, because they've wanted to make their own way, like you're, you're at the door. You're ready to receive them. But now they're vandals. Now they're, now, now you, you know, if someone's going to break your window to come in, what are their intentions? So what are the intentions of people who don't want to go through the way, the door? Jesus said, I am the door. Those who enter, enter in will find life. So Jesus came so that we would receive this incredible thing, that we would become, receive adoption into sonship. We'd be adopted into God's family. John, no, sorry, John, Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time came, which says it's just at the right time, at the perfect time, there was this intersection of what was happening in history and God's purpose and plan that, you know, there's so many things involved in that, that uh, that was another sermon that I preached a while ago. So uh, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, 
so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Jesus came in the flesh. Why did Jesus have to come in the flesh? Jesus had to come in the flesh because gods can't die. Jesus came and took on flesh so that he could die in our place and be the perfect sacrifice. Jesus had to come and die, and he, that, that death was to had a purpose so that, so that he could redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons so that God could do something for us that we can never do for ourselves. We cannot save ourselves because your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So th- this is a different relationship because sin separates us. We're all like Adam and Eve hiding out in the garden somewhere and we're afraid that God's going to show up and we don't know what we're going to do because we know we're guilty. But Jesus came to change the relationship so now we're not separated by shame and guilt and fear of all the mistakes and all the wrong and all the things that we've done. Now we realize that because of what Jesus has done, this incredible thing has happened, that we have been brought into the family of God and that we are now adopted, approved, in the family. We can pray our Father because He is Abba Father. He, we have been adapted into the family. Jesus made us an heir. So when we pray our Father, we're actually praying in Jesus' name because we're able to pray our Father because of what Jesus accomplished. So when we pray our Father, we are praying in alignment with Jesus' name because Jesus died for us so that we could pray our Father. So what does adoption mean? Adoption, first of all, means inheritance. You get an inheritance. I talked last week about Jeff Bezos. So, you know, uh, if you're adopted by Jeff Bezos, you may not have any idea at all how to sell books. Aren't you glad that when you came to Christ that you didn't have to understand what it meant? Did you fully understand what was happening when Jesus apprehended you and you gave your life to Christ? Did you understand the theology? Could you explain to someone really well, well, you know, Jesus came and he's the lamb and no, you just got saved and you could you you just knew something had happened, you knew something was happening. You couldn't explain it. And even if uh, even if you don't know how to sell books online, and if Jeff Bezos adopts you, you still get everything he has. You are in his family. Galatians 4, 7. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. An heir. We're God's heirs. We have an inheritance. What does it mean to be an heir of God? Well, how wealthy is God? I mean, you know, when we read, <laughs> when we read about heaven, we see that, uh, that the streets are paved with gold. So, uh, you know, uh, that's, gold is pavement in heaven. <laughs> we're not, when, when we talk about wealth, though, we're not talking about wealth, wealth, like we think of wealth. I mean, what is, what is the wealth of heaven? What is, what is the wealth of eternity? It's God. What's our inheritance? We're going to get gold streets and say, wow, look at my streets. They're gold. Everybody else has got them too. We're going to have a mansion. Oh, look at my mansion. It's maybe a little bit bigger than your mansion. Let's measure them and see who has the biggest mansion in heaven. You know, what, what's our inheritance? Our inheritance is God himself. 
That is the greatest treasure of the universe, to have God himself as our father, to be in a relationship. Now where we're coward in fear. Oh, if he, if he finds out what I'm thinking, I'm toast. But where we're accepted, loved. Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. The Spirit who you receive does not make you slaves so that you may live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Which is to say, it's, it's saying Papa, Papa, or Daddy, Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children now, if we're children, there were heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to compare with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So he's just describing, he's just, you know, this is, just think of this as a legal document. Paul is just describing your inheritance. He's saying, I want you to know what you're going to get. Everything. <laughs> what are you going to get? You're going to get everything Jesus gets because we are heirs with Christ. Everything Jesus gets in eternity, not because we deserve it, but he determined to share it with us. He determined to be part of the plan to bring us into the family. God's great plan. This is God's plan. God's plan is he wants you in his family. He has gone to the greatest means possible, to the greatest extreme possible of giving his own son as a sacrifice so that you could be brought into his family. It's the greatest miracle that can ever happen. We get an, an unimaginable glorification. We're the glory that will be revealed in us. It's unimaginable. We can't even imagine what it's going to be like. The, the love, the joy, the peace, the purpose, experiencing the nature and character of God un, unfiltered. The glory of God clothing us with the perfections of Christ. We share in his glory. So we're an heir with God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. We have an inheritance laid up for us. The thing about an inheritance is inheritance is not something that you earned. It's something somebody else earned on your behalf. Jesus earned this inheritance on your behalf. So we, so we have inheritance. We also have access to the Father. Galatians 4, for because your sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit also calls out Abba, Father. No one has access to you like your children do. 
Uh, my kids, most of them call me Papa. And I would do anything within my power to help them. Right? Isn't that what you do? I mean, that's just the parent thing. Even if they call me in the middle of the night. So we were were talking about how Tina, we had grandkids last night. We kept some of the grandkids last night. So Tina didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Everybody kept asking me. Nobody cares if I'm here. But if she's three minutes late, I've got 45 people saying, where's Tina? Where's Tina? Nobody ever asks where I am, and they don't care. But, uh, <laughs> but so she didn't sleep. But when, when our kids were little, our kids didn't go to her side of the bed. Like the grandkids go to her side of the, side of the bed because they don't know what it's like to wake up the Kraken. So, <laughs> so our kids always came to my side of the bed. Now, there's just, you know, kids are looking for, uh, I don't know why I told you that. I'm trying to find a way to get out of it now. Uh, <laughs> 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 but we, <laughs> we've gained access through grace. We stand in grace. We stand, stand in approval. In other words, you, you're never, you never come into the throne of God and he says, I'm busy. He's never asleep. He's never tired. He's never weary. He says, the Bible says that we can come boldly into the throne of grace to receive grace to help in time of need. And it's because of what Jesus has done, we have access and we can always come into the presence of God. We can always pray. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of Christ. Ephesians 3.12, in whom, in Christ, we have boldness and confident access through him, through faith in him. God is relationally and legally fully committed to you. The adoption went through. And you you are in God's family and he's fully committed to you. Adoption also means you get a new identity. Galatians 4, 7, you're no longer a slave, but God's child. You no longer need to value your performance or your achievements from your pleasures or from your possessions or from your power or your privileges. Your identity is not based on the activities of the past or the activities in the present. So if your identity is not based on the activities of the past or activities of the present, your identity is still not based today on the activities of the past on the activity of the present. It doesn't mean that God is not pleased with our, when we do good things, that he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. But it means our relationship with God as sons is not because of our behavior. If you lose it today, if you lose your mind and you, you scream at your kids or your wife or your husband God doesn't say, all right, that's, that's the last time. 
I've, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm, you're, you're, I've, how, many times, how many times have you asked forgiveness for this? You ever feel that? You ever feel that? You ever think, you know, how many times have you asked forgiveness? That, that's it. You know who that is? That's the accuser of the brethren. That's the devil who's saying that. God doesn't say that. God doesn't say, oh, that's it. You know, there was 4,732 4, times. That's 4,733. You just crossed the line, buddy, and you're out. You were in, but now you're out. You're not. Because, because of what Jesus has done for us, we are in, and our identity is established. He says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. He, he said, he's talking to the Corinthians. This is the Roman culture, the Corinthians. Such were some of you. He said, that's, that's what you came out of. That's who you were. He said, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. He said, it's, it's not who you were, it's who you are in Christ. That you have a new identity. So when Satan says, do you know who you are? He said, I know exactly who I am. I've been bought with the blood of Christ. And I am a child of God. And my inheritance is in heaven. Then in verse 9, he says, pray our Father who is in heaven. He says, hallowed be thy name. And hallow is not a word we use except around Halloween, right? So what does it, what does it mean to us? Well, hallow's eve is, is supposed to be a holy evening, but it's, it's been, you know, kind of corrupted. Hallow means to set apart as holy. So when we say we're going to hallow God, we recognize, we've talked about this in the last couple of weeks, there's nothing you can add to God. We can't make God holy. We can only recognize who he is. So when we, when, we, when we hallow God's name, when we declare holy his name, when we recognize uh, who he is, it's to say to God's name, to love him, we, we hallow him, we love him, we honor him, we value him, we treasure him, we're going to treasure God. Said our, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Our Father who is in heaven, set apart is your name. John MacArthur said, our Father who loves us and cares for us and who has in heaven supplies to meet our every need, may your person, your identity, your character, your nature, your attributes, your reputation, your very being itself be hallowed. You see, so he, did you get that? Let me, I'm going to read that again. I want you to get that. Our Father who loves us and cares for us and who is in heaven supplies, who has in heaven supplies to meet our every need, may your person your identity, your character, your nature, your attributes, your reputation, your very being itself be hallowed. It's apparent from the scriptures, even the scripture that's, that Stephen read this morning from the Psalms, it's apparent from the scriptures that David 
had an incredible relationship with God. And he had received, even as a shepherd boy, he had received some incredible insights into the nature and character of God that are, that are just amazing. When you read the Psalms, you realize that, that David saw things. He, if you read Psalm 22, Psalm 23 is great, but if you read Psalm 22, you can see that David saw Jesus on the cross. It is a psalm about what happened on the cross. And so David had a tremendous insight. And when David became king of Israel, one of the things that he wanted to do to, was to get the ark of God and bring it to Jerusalem. So he planned to do it. And as he planned to do it, uh, he wanted to make a big festival out of it. So they, 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 they built a new cart to, to put it on, to put the Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant was this big you know, box that was, went into the Holy of Holies that represented the holiness of God. And so, so they put it on a cart, and they're bringing it from the house of Abinadab and as they're on the way, they get, to, they get to a place and the cart, the oxen stumbles and uh, the, the ark begins to shift on the cart and Uzzah, just as an act of, reaches out and touches the cart, touches the ark to stop it from falling and he drops dead. And David is angry. He says, how can we bring up the Ark of the Covenant? I mean, if people are going to die in the process, how can we bring up the Ark of the Covenant? So, see, God's holiness, Jesus has said, I want you to understand that God is Father, and he's also holy. I don't want you to know one and forget the other. See, because David recognizing that God was his father and that God loved him did not negate the necessity of doing what God had told them to do by being obedient to the word. So the next time they bring up the ark, he says, the last time we didn't do it right. We didn't do it according to the ordinance. You see... There, so, so the next time, they said, what does the Bible say the way we're supposed to do this? The Bible says we're supposed to have the Levites put poles, staves to the ark, and they don't put it on a cart. The Levites carry it. There was a specific way to do it, and we have to recognize that God is both loving and caring, but he's also holy. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may, may offer to God an acceptable sacrifice with reverence and awe. A lot of people see God as Father. A lot of people today see God as Father, but they don't see God as holy. He's a great big sugar daddy in the sky. He's like a vending machine. And if you say the right prayers and do the right things, that he's going to owe you an answer to prayer because 
you know, he just loves everybody. You know, he just loves everybody. He does love everybody, but he loves everybody so much that God so loved the world that he, he sent his only son to die because he's holy. God so loved the world that he sent his own son to die to justi justify the, the just wrath that we all deserve, the judgment that we all deserve, to stop the judgment that we all deserve. He sent his own son to stand in the gap. God is loving, but God is holy. We can never think because God loves us, he's going to excuse my disobedience. He wants us, he wants us to understand that he's both loving and holy. He's our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And that if we see what a balance. Doesn't that bring everything? See, there's a balance. God, God loves us. He loves you more than anyone is ever going to love you. But he's also holy. And we need to reverence. fear of the Lord, not, not fear of the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the beginning of prayer is when we realize God is a great God. Our Father. But He doesn't owe me. Everything I get from Him is going to be a grace and a gift. And He's holy. And I want to stand, I don't want to take him for granted. And when you, when you understand that, when you understand how holy God is, then it makes, the, it makes what Jesus did on our behalf even more awesome. When you understand what Jesus did for us, what he accomplished for us. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. I got to stop. I'm praying that you will get the balance. If you felt shame for your past and for your failings and even the sins in your present, you felt shame, then you would understand that you have a loving Heavenly Father who has done everything possible to bring you into His family. Yet, he doesn't want us to take sin lightly because he paid an incredible price. He paid an unbelievable price for God's sake. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Father, today we come to you. What a great privilege to be the sons of God. Now we are the sons of God and we have access into your presence so we come today Lord knowing wanting to understand better who you are at the same time walking in reverence and awe at your majesty and your greatness and your holiness that you made a way 
where there seemed to be no way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week. I love you. I love you. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.